You've entered the Kill Zone. The Kill Zone. Frontline Gaming presents the Kill Zone Podcast. Real talk for competitive Kill Team 40K tactics, tactics. Strategy. strategy, and news you need to know from some of today's top players. Tune in every other week for brand new episodes of the Kill Zone Podcast. Like the intro just said, you have entered the Kill Zone. Welcome back, returning listeners, those of you new to the podcast, Spearing at 40K. I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsunikos from Strategic Advantage on YouTube. We've got a great episode coming up for you today. In today's episode, we talk about innovation on the board and off the board. Let's try out some weird stuff. We've got some examples to help you understand the concept. We'll cover reasons why weird wins games. Say that 10 times fast. And we'll give you a few different places you can look to find some odd ideas of your own. So stay tuned because all that and more is coming your way right here on the Killzone Podcast. Pay some bills with these messages. Oh my goodness, Monkey, it's you. Hang on, let me make some room for you to shower us with more weapons. Ooh, 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 ah! He, he doesn't have weapons for you this time, it seems. Hang on. What do you have? It's a bunch of bullets. No, those aren't bullets. It's just bullet shells. And Oh my goodness, Chris. I think this is for me. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, dang, my man. That's a lot of orky goodness. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the monkey came across a huge wah, and he looted the orcs. You know, honestly, that's kind of impressive. He managed to peel off a bunch of rivets and orky iconography. Look, there's some Bad Moon stuff here, some Death Skulls-inspired stuff here. Now, all of this from popgoesamonkey.com. He looted Death Skulls? That's kind of impressive. Oh, that's not even the best of it. Look at this. The little guy even looted some evil sons. How the heck did you catch up with those quick gits? Ooh, 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 ah! Uh, this is pretty amazing. I mean, as an orc, you can never run out of bits for kit bashing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, remember last year we had a local contest turning a drugstore, like, die-cast car into a 40k vehicle. I got most of the way, actually, with a VW Beetle turning it into a shock jump dragster, but I, it was really missing an orchid feel, but that's no challenge at all with Pop Goes the Monkey. You got rivets for days, iconography of your favorite orc clan, you name it. Get that kit bash looking as good, if not better, than the original kit. Oh! Oh! And it doesn't end there. The monkey has looted weapons and just hands. Oh my, there are actually orc hands on these weapons as well. Uh, honestly, Monkey, this is kind of gross, but it does make it a lot easier to give some unique weapons and flair to your orky boys and knobs in those kill teams. Yeah, all this looks fantastic. Thanks, Monkey, for this haul, but why are you bringing it to us? Wait, what's this? It's like a bit of cloth. It's got a circle and eight arrows on it. Is, it, is this a map or something? I, I don't know what this is. C can you take a look at this, Chris? Yeah, let me see. Oh. Ah, crap. He's gone. But Emmanuel, this this looks chaosy. Uh, this warp gate is kind of lingering, isn't it? Wait, don't don't get close to it, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, hang on, Emmanuel. Don't don't do it, Emmanuel. Make smart choices, Emmanuel. Don't make me use your government name, Emmanuel. No, do do not, Emmanuel. Oh, fine. F okay, fine. It was shiny, and I had to get closer. Okay. Anyway, I don't know, man. This is starting to get a bit weird. I think I need to start doing some shopping of my own at popgoesthemonkey.com and just ask the monkey to stop delivering stuff to us like this. It's going to get out of hand pretty quickly. 
Yeah, that sounds like a better plan. At popgoesthemonkey.com, you can get whatever you need to fill that hobby heart, from character kits, orky goodness, or just tons of bits and special weapons, chapter markings for your favorite army, or your kill team. Check out popgoesthemonkey.com. There's a link in the description. Thanks for sponsoring the podcast. And we are back. Oh, that monkey always up to his no-good shenanigans, uh, bringing all his bits and uh, warp portals and all that stuff. I wonder where he goes to and comes from. It's just a you know, yeah. weird thing that keeps being a factor. Tune in next week for more in the saga. <laughs> um, if, uh, if our audience wasn't laughing their butts off at the end of that ad read, uh, number one, shame on you. Number two, you might not know who Emmanuel the Emu is. Uh, do yourself a favor and just go on YouTube and find that. Uh, it's it, Emmanuel the Emu is my spirit animal, 100%. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, good old emus. They don't follow directions very well. But uh, so, what you been up to? We've got uh, a lot of hobby stuff to cover, actually. Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness, I've been busy. Um, hopefully, if everything went well, um, I sound a bit different this week. Um, maybe a little bit less echoey. I did a bunch of acoustic treatment to the studio where I do my recording end of it. A uh, bunch of foam panels, artsy looking ones um, over the bare spaces in the walls. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully I come out a little bit more crisp. If not, um, the recording room I'm in looks more professional, but it's just not functional. <laughs> but if I do sound a little bit more crisp, hey, I did a, I did the thing right. Cool, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds a little bit, uh, t- tad bit different over the headphones, at least to me. So, okay, good job. fantastic. Yeah. Hey, it worked. So what about hobby stuff? Uh, You've got anything going on? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I'm putting final touches on the Phobos. It's never taken me so long to paint Marines. I've just been getting so distracted by other stuff. Um, tons of guitar stuff. Um, I'm j- joining the troves of uh, Eddie Munson fans out there. and oh, cool. And <laughs> learning master of puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, always put that off because the series of downstrokes hurt my arms. But um, and if, and if you don't know what that means in guitar, it sounds so dirty. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot but, of those but, references. Oh, I broke my G string. Like, ah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, been learning that. Um, and Alex and I have been having some fun playing games with not kill teams. And that doesn't mean that I've been playing 40k. That means that we've been having fun making homebrew rules for kill team. Oh, you know, I saw something like that. I, I've seen some guys are they're they're like you know for compendium things, you know, that maybe something mm-hmm. got an update, but it didn't include the compendium mm-hmm. things. Like maybe they're making some rules to bring those units in and stuff. Yeah, like some people have been doing stuff with stealth suits. Um, what inspired our shenanigans was on Reddit. Someone put rules to um, Imperial Knights. Oh, geez. <laughs> as like a big like kaiju boss battle kind of thing and uh we were gonna do that but then alex is like well let's let's build up to that let me uh the the castellan robots that kind of look like lost in space robots from Mm -hmm. like 1950s he calls them daca bots because my orky brain doesn't understand anything else um he he wrote rules for that and we decided to play a couple games and they work out really well, actually. I mean, they're not winning the mission, but uh, they mm. won our hearts over because it was a really fun game. And it got us thinking, it's like, oh, what else we could do? And I'm sitting here, it's like, oh, can I do kill a cans? Can I do a Big Mac? And then I actually got some ideas for a Freebooters team now. So uh, I might have gone way down the rabbit hole with doing homebrew rules. So that's going to be fun. Um, more updates on that when I have them. But 
that that's the majority of games I played this past week. Right on, man. I am so excited for this uh, Killzone Into the Dark. I keep always th- almost saying After Dark because of the oh, event, that's right. the, the event yeah. uh, <laughs> things, the events at the events that yeah. have that. That's I, it's a weird sentence, but uh, yeah, man, Into the Dark. I mean, for me, Arena when that came out, it was actually the birth of Kill Team because I had been playing, you know, before that and everything. But the best experience was through Arena, last edition. And so having mm-hmm. this come back, this edition, I am just beyond hyped. Yeah, uh, and if you, haven't, if you haven't seen the announcement, listeners, um, we're recording this um, shortly before um, the podcast comes out. But I believe it was Thursday the 4th um, mm-hmm. that we got a drop on Warhammer Community. Of I mean, they've been teasing. They teased the little bird for the crew, which... Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that thing is probably going to break games. Um, I've got some dirty ideas to use that bird um, on on the kill zone, but um, the the actual map and the terrain um, got revealed on Thursday, um, yep. the previous week, um, from when you're listening to this, and uh, it looks like an arena board. But what's yes. so exciting about this? is that it's not an arena board. You don't need the actual board with the lines and all that. It's mm-hmm. 3D arena terrain, which yeah. is absolutely amazing. Um, there's a debate on the Killzone uh, Discord when this uh, article came out on between me and some other people. It's like, do you think the doors are on hinges? Are they static? And we're, totally <laughs> we're piecing together all these little things. But um, needless to say, a lot of excitement for it. And, yeah. and equal to you, Honestly, I was really excited for Arena as well when that that first came out uh, for the previous edition. So this this got gave me a lot of that same excitement, seeing that it was what I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, just the the whole thing about this podcast and a lot of the content that I've made over the years has, has just been about this competitive lens of the game and taking the game mm. seriously, giving it you know the respect I think it deserves. You know, it's it's a fantastic game, and I think of the 40k IP, it is the way to play, uh, and you know with arena it opened up competitive i know there's some smaller metas out there that maybe it didn't have as much of an impact but it's like Mm -hmm. you know this was the competitive way to play and we saw it so much yeah Yeah. i felt like this is how we should be playing it like after you know a little bit with it um i didn't like playing open board anymore you know and i still (laughs) would there was events that would have it here and there but uh i just wanted to keep playing that and so so having it come back in any iteration, you know, just to update and stuff. Like you said, with the 3D walls, you know, that's so different. We, we wanted that last edition, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so this is like GW hearing our prayers, basically, and, and giving this to us. So it's like we have mm-hmm. the actual representation on the board. And I think it's yeah. just going to be absolutely fantastic because, you know, um, things like vantage points, things like the different terrain that we have had has, has caused some interesting stuff with like LOS and, Oh, now I can shoot this guy who I normally wouldn't be able to shoot or something to that effect. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of rules extras that get added that I've wondered, like, would this edition just be way better as arena, you know, uh, tame things down a tiny bit. Yeah. And we saw back in uh, the last edition that the game got simpler and faster when we Mm -hmm. went to Arena. It was almost as if um, you distilled it down to the the bare essentials to try and turn it as close to a basketball game instead of instead of basketball. Yeah. uh, To do a different reference than I did (laughs) than than I've done before. But um, that 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 was the interesting thing. 
that um, I, I took from seeing how they were doing it, not a zone mortalis, but more of a 3D, 2D kind of map. Mm-hmm. Um, what will be interesting to see is if we actually, once we get the rules, if it actually does do that, mm-hmm. or if there's more rules added to the fact that it's in a Space Hulk yeah. that it actually gets as or more bloated than the open terrain that we have now. Um, yeah. I, I've actually... I've had a lot of DMs um, over the past uh, couple of days of like, oh my goodness, are you going to talk about the this big new thing on the next kill zone? And the the messaging that I've been giving is just like, let's, I, I want to sit with this stuff, right? Yeah. I, I, my mind is in a million different places, just like yours, I bet, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Of all the different things that I want it to be, the fears of what it might be, and um, where it's going to slot in um, yeah. with competitive I'm hoping it is everything the positive that's flowing through my mind, but um, I think it's best to wait and speculate. Wait, yeah. on, wait before you speculate. Yes. Oh, I need that on a shirt. <laughs> look, look before you leap. Wait before you speculate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think so. I agree. I think that it's funny because already you're seeing online just these like uh, it's not diary of the mouth. What would you say? Just like this blurt of you know mm-hmm. opinion and all this stuff that's coming out you know of, of like critical things and some of this stuff and it's like dude we have nothing we yeah. literally have nothing yet wait mm-hmm. you know and and if anything is to go by this was the superior weight like i said this kill team i played you know from day one last edition and we played before day one this edition uh you know mm-hmm. we, we, had, we were lucky to get some stuff early and man Last edition, this is when Kill Team became Kill Team for me. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you had this extra element. Like you had the teams, you had the player dynamic, you had all this stuff, but you also had the boards. Mm-hmm. It was like the meta of the meta. Like you, it was, it was like being not only just outside of the box, but it's evaluating yourself standing outside of the box. Like you just had this mm-hmm. whole other dimension to play with, and mm-hmm. teams that were non-viable were suddenly viable because it gave mm-hmm. you an extra avenue to try to mess with you know this this game yeah and if anything one lesson that we can learn from last edition is don't discount arena because it's different Mm -hmm. Um, because i felt like there was a lot of that rhetoric early on and that might have led to arena kind of falling below the radar um, much like what happened to commanders before it actually had a chance to show us what it was yeah Uh, number two it's not either or Mm -hmm. by no means and I think that depending on how, like, if if this doesn't fall short of our expectations by um, any measure, and mm-hmm. it's kind of up there with what we're hoping or wanting this to be, this new release, um, I think it, it has a great chance of coexisting with what we already love about Open. And mm-hmm. the cool thing that um, I saw, I can't take credit for this idea, but I can't remember who made the comment. It was right around the time that the article dropped. Someone said this could be big for mixed tournaments by making the roster relevant. Yeah. You yeah. And, th- and that's interesting to me. That is definitely a thing because that was a case yeah. last edition as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I, I'm mm-hmm. very optimistic about this though. I, I can't wait. And you know, the mixed tournament format is something we saw. Like that's how we did the quarantine Nova. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'll tell that's you, right. that was a very challenging tournament. You know, it, mm-hmm. it brought out a lot of, good and players because they had to adapt to the different things and and it was 
very challenging to make a roster, you know, going back to your point there, uh, because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, certain things you're wide open on the open board and certain things very close confines. Absolutely. It was a very interesting tournament. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. So speaking of things getting weird and changing. Yes. That's um, it's quite the segue there, my friend. Is that an A-plus segue? That I is, think we finally got one. Yes, that is um, an s And then we ruined segue. it by pointing it out. No! Yeah, I know. Damn it. <laughs> Why can't we be sly? Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're talking about trying weird stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, we were all doing this last edition, but I think you mm-hmm. put it a very succinct way. It was asymmetrical and what? You used to have a phrase for this. Asymmetrical and something. I don't know if, if you remember. I don't. I don't. Asymmetrical and odd or something. It was like an approach to the game that you were saying one one game. Asymmetrical and unpredictable. Yes. I think that's what it was. Something that effect. Yeah. And uh, I think that this is just, you know, look, it's still here today. Mm -hmm. This is in our DNA. It's your, what what do they call it? Like uh, when they say know where you come from or something like that, when they talk about, (laughs) you know, knowing your... your, uh, your grandparents or something like that. Sure, this is, sure. this is, what, what is the term for this? This is your ancestry as a, a kill team player. This, yeah. this kind of stuff exists and it's something to be aware of, I think. Yeah. And this is different from like our previous episode where we talked about the joys of playing off meta. Um, mm-hmm. In that episode, we focused a lot on saying, Hey, don't always take the S tier teams, right? Yeah. L- expand and think about other teams out there that might be underplayed and all that stuff. This is more about, this is the team you play. This is what you enjoy playing, whether it's um, Comorites or it is uh, Hunter Clade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is the team you play, but especially now kind of loosely tied to what we're talking about, how rosters aren't really relevant for most teams. Um, that's also kind of led to this whole, like, this is the right way to play, or these are the right. operatives. You take kind of, um, kind of feel, or this is where you put the equipment. Mm-hmm. And this was starting very early on in this edition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say it's bad because this edition makes it a lot easier to make the most optimal choices. You don't have points to think about. Mm-hmm. So you're not trying to squeeze in points into 100 or 125, right? So then you have to make difficult decisions. Okay, is a 21-point Marine better than an 18-point Marine? If it means that the 18-point Marine lets me upgrade to a plasma pistol on this. Like, you're not doing any of that. The decisions aren't as hard. You have a set number of operatives. Some are just arguably more efficient. Yeah. And then when you look at an operative, you can choose what weapons they have, and you can make very easy math decisions based on your opponent or just based on like looking at them, why would you ever take anything different kind of um, question. So w- when you look at that, you, you oftentimes are left with, oh, these are the best ones to run. Mm-hmm. And then you start to shoehorn into that. That idea starts to kind of run away from itself and you shoehorn into this is how you deploy these guys. This mm-hmm. is the equipment that this guy takes. This is the approach I take to this mission. And it becomes too baked in into a recipe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think that there's a tendency to get into final form mentality. And mm-hmm. this breaks you out of that and helps you. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going against something that is final form, this is your way out of that. You know, mm-hmm. like we saw last edition, for example, Gottfried spam won a tournament. And then the next tournament, it was like, that was the most common thing. Everybody doing a similar thing. Uh, I, 
I think uh, you didn't mean to say Gottfried Spam because I oh, just I'm sorry, Blackstone Guard. Yeah, oh my god, Black Gottfried Spam. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh no, like a whole team of just Gottfrids. I quit. I'm done. Yeah. No more content. No more kill team for me. I never want to play that team. Right. But um, but Blackstone Guard, like you're saying, exactly, hundred percent. And then so you come in with an asymmetrical build and you say, okay, this is unexpected and and something that's very hard for that to deal with, and all of a sudden, like. You know, in, in my experience with that Nova thing, four of my games or five of my games was that exact same list being piloted the exact same way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's like thank goodness for asymmetrical and uh, hard to predict, right? Yeah, and and the thing about that list, it, it's I love that you brought that up because um, that was how many years into Kill Team, how many oh, yeah. years after Elites, right? Mm -hmm. That all of a sudden Blackstone Guard was just Oh wow! Right, this is fantastic. It's because someone got weird, right? Right. Someone got weird. Someone tried something out, and then what we thought was the meta, all of a sudden, boom, blown wide open. Mm -hmm. What What happened with um with Flayed One Spam, man? Right. Like last edition, Flayed Ones were there from day one. Now they changed with elites, and that's fair because Novak came around that made uh, Flayed Ones even scarier, mm -hmm. but we were sleeping on this thing because no one got weird. Right. Right. And, and it takes someone getting weird, um, to really push metaphor and perfect example. It's not even getting weird, right? Perfect example is you think, you know, a team until you know the team and what happened with Vetcard. I bring this up so many times. Vetcard, not as good as commandos. Now Vetcard's top of the top of the chain, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't really get any changes at all. And it's just because someone took troopers, gave them a bunch of grenades. Mm -hmm. Someone went a little bit different, right? And this is us learning the game. Maybe they weren't getting weird. They were just learning. But small changes can really transform how a team plays, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what we were talking about beforehand, uh, for those of you listening, we're going to break this down into kind of uh, three segments, right, within this segment. So there's going to be sure. uh, a description of kind of what this is and places you can look for this, you mm -hmm. know, like targeted areas for you to take your team you currently play and go look for weird and identify weird and start playing with things. Then we're going to go into the pros about why you might want to do this. And there's a few very key reasons that we'll kind of go into in detail. And then we're going to give you some examples of things that we've found uh, and, and used in the history of just 2.0 specifically. So not only, you know, is this going on last edition, but we've had, we have things that already this has been in effect um, and, and people have seen, you know. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, the flow of today's episode, yeah? Absolutely. And cool. I think the best place to start looking, in my opinion, is past the data sheets. Now that sounds very much like don't look at the code, see through the code kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But... Um, Data sheets really only tell half the story of what is going on with a model. Um, a data sheet tells you certain things for the most part, how survivable they are, how killy they are. Sometimes their their abilities might key into where their battlefield role is. Mm -hmm. But until I start putting stuff on the board, I, I, I rarely see how versatile a model can be in what yeah. it does, right? Um, with Phobos, with the comms guy. I don't see all those zillions of examples until I see them being played out. So looking at the data sheet, try to look past what the data sheet is and don't be scared to just experiment proxy with stuff. 
use mm-hmm. virtual tabletops to experiment with stuff that you don't own yet. Um, that, that kind of stuff, just stretch out what you can do and don't just limit your expectation of what a model can accomplish mm-hmm. in isolation, that black box of just what they are in their data sheet. Yeah, I have that marked down as in-game posture and behavior uh, yeah. on, on my notes. Yeah. So basically what you would be thinking is a model or a team that typically does X now does Y. So we're talking like yeah. a shooting team like Tau all of a sudden becomes Melee. That's mm-hmm. when we're, we're weird, right? And so that was mm-hmm. something that we saw in the history of Kill Team mm-hmm. um, that was highly effective. And, you know, that's what we're talking about. And I think what you were uh, talking about with your example, right? Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. We're changing the same the, lines. Yeah, we're changing the posture and the behavior from the expected. So you see this model, you know, you would assume he does this thing. That might not be all that he does. You know, mm-hmm. you can try to find other uses and flip that around, right? Yeah. And, and another, another way to think about it is also um, the expected strategy for a team, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I like to not so much disagree, but take a different path than what the meta is for a team on the internet. And I do this quite frequently. I, I've been doing this since the beginning. I didn't mm-hmm. take boy spam for Kill Team 2018, right? Um, now an example of how I approached this in this edition was when commandos first came out, it was typically two dynamites is what you would take more often than not. Um, one of those dynamites was always on your DACA boy, just because pre FAQ, he could throw it with his DACA dash. And then the other one tended to be on the knob, right? Just cause he was self-sufficient. That's how most people were finding an extreme amount of victory. But, um, my approach was to avoid that as well. So another place that you can look for weird is forcing yourself to not use the strategies that you're hearing about or listening. I mean, this sounds very counterproductive. I was like, here, take our advice, which is don't take our advice. Yeah. But that, I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of eyes looking at this rule book, looking at these data sheets every day, right? Mm -hmm. And no one person or no one podcast is going to have all the answers. I get so excited when I learn something from someone else who just had a very genuine, fresh perspective on something that I've read 10 times and never saw. Right. So, and that's, that's the best thing you could do of just not locking into what the tactic is. This is how this team's played. Mm-hmm. Try a different way or go in without a plan and just see what sticks. <laughs> So, I mean, there's a lot of people, like, you can go online, you can find things, podcasts, YouTube channels, uh, blogs, even mm-hmm. just talking to people in, in a chat, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you're new to the game, you come in and you get told that XYZ is the case and kind of take that as gospel. And by mm-hmm. doing that, you can miss out on the weird. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the biggest pitfall of not looking for weird, not looking for innovation, mm-hmm. is that if we all stop looking the entire meta can just stagnate, right? Right. Um, If you're not pushing or experimenting outside of what we accept right now as being the strong way to play X, Y, Z, then we're never going to find the Blackstone guards of this edition. Exactly. So so let's look at uh, another way. So we've talked about in-game posture and behavior, which is like Mm -hmm. the way you treat this team or, you know, a, a model that typically does X, now does Y. Another thing that you can look at is ploys. And, and so what this is, is ploys used wrong, typically. 
is is a funny okay. way to think about this and yeah to, elaborate on that yeah so uh, it's it's like like a, I, I have an example here i was going to save till we get to the examples things um but sure. basically you look at this thing and the ploy let's say it, it is a melee type ploy like you look mm -hmm. at it and it's like oh this helps me get to melee Mm -hmm. What it actually could be is a movement ploy. So instead okay. of coming forward and getting to somebody, maybe it's running away, maybe it's stealing an objective, something to that effect. You, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, uh, I, I have an example for that that okay. um, just you just reminded me of. Mm -hmm. But things like with Harlequins mm -hmm. being able to fall back for one cheaper, mm -hmm. um, for one APL, that can be used to charge in on someone, and then trigger the effect to use a ploy to then fall back for one cheaper. So that way you turned a nine inch or an eight inch charge, excuse me, to then a six inch fallback, both with fly that might get you into your enemy's DZ uh -huh. score you a victory point, right? You didn't do it to escape combat. You didn't do it. You used it for movement. So that's exactly, that's an example. I, hopefully I didn't steal your example for no, later, no. But, no, but that's, that's one way to kind of highlight exactly what you're saying is that, on the surface, it wasn't really intended for that, but you could definitely use it for something completely different to shut down, shut down, um, hold the line for your opponent, for example, right. just to get far enough over so that way they can't score hold the line, and that one point could win you the game. Exactly. So you've taken yeah. what most people see and then stop looking at that point as, oh, this is a melee delivery system, and you've transformed that into an 11 inch yeet basically mm -hmm. on a, on a guy mm -hmm. who normally would have a six mm -hmm. um, or, you know, a, a nine or something to that effect. So you've added three inches to your movement and you're using that to perhaps stop an objective, compress score, get on right. an objective, contest sure. something to that effect, um, set up a next turn, this turn mm -hmm. moment, you know? Mm -hmm. So like they've, they've shot over in this quad quadrant and now this is a dead area. I can't threaten them right now, but I can get to a charge for next turn, sure. this turn. You know, something yeah. that effect. So I think that the ploys used wrong or abilities used wrong, um, mm -hmm. something that effect. Like uh, I, one that's nerfed now uh, was using the drone controller to proc worthy cause because mm -hmm. that could now activate a drone who could then activate another guy. So... I would not have been able to get my rail rifle onto an objective or within six inches of an enemy, but by chaining these things together and using that wrong, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the, the recon drone may not have even been giving the buff to that guy, but I just wanted to activate him now. You know what I mean? So, yeah. What we, uh, we need to make you a t-shirt, Chris, uh, never forget worthy cause nerf. Um, <laughs> yes. Never you forget. Bring it up so yeah. You, you never, you never fail to bring it up whenever it's relevant, and it's just like, yes. oh man, that that balanced data slate must have hurt you real bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's real interesting because uh, I don't want to dig into old wounds. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, just, keep going. we'll, we'll just keep going. No, yeah. it, it's honestly okay. It, it's okay. Yeah. I think it was I'm, a problematic okay. thing, and and honestly, you still got it. Right, you've still got to, to agree to a degree, to a yes. degree, yeah. But, um, but the essential think, function is there. God damn it! I'm telling it's you, it's okay, Chris. Fine. You're gonna be okay. I'm okay. You're gonna be okay. Deep breaths. <laughs> deep breaths. Um, right. I think one final point in this that I think we both agree agree on is just take different lists. 
mm-hmm. or build different rosters. Um, just take stuff that people aren't taking, mm-hmm. or um, if it's if you have multiple fire teams, experiment with a fire team that is said to be bad or said to be not as efficient. Yeah. Uh, what's really cool about doing stuff like this is you might discover that hey, this isn't the play style I like, or uh, you know, they, there's a reason why these these models aren't played or taken. But you learn a different aspect of the game. Uh-huh. Like if you take death marks or if you take Ludas for for Necrons or for Compendium Orcs um, respectively, and you take them, even though they're told to you or not the efficient best way to play, sure, you might learn certain aspects of the game that are why they might not be efficient. Uh-huh. You might discover a way of, oh, well, I can actually do X, Y, and Z to force them to be efficient. And if it's someone, for example, with a heavy weapon that you just don't have a lot of heavy weapons, you're going to drill in that heavy weapon side of it. And then the team that has the one heavy weapon, you already knew how to flex four models with heavy weapons to do some really nasty stuff. Now, all of a sudden, you took off that weighted geek. So sometimes the weird stuff, taking the other list, you might discover a way to run a weird list that's very effective or... You might just learn a better way to run a different list. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a weird way to get to that point. No, and that's, you know, I have it written the exact same thing. So that's number three for me. You know, number one, in game posture and behavior. Mm. Number two, ploys. Number three, list configuration. You are building off meta, and people are not assuming that they will face what they end up facing. You Mm -hmm. know, that's, that's, you know, the, the, some of what's going on here. So, you know, we talked about last edition, like, okay, you know, when everybody's like, oh, rail rifles OP, I'm running, I'm spamming drones. When people mm-hmm. are now saying, oh, spamming drones is the way to go, I'm back to Pathfinders and winning that mm-hmm. uh, that fight club thing, right? With mm-hmm. with these things mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, were still just strength five and amazing, you know, they, they mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. these great guns on them and stuff, but nobody was playing them because drones they were, were also the with drones. Quote, unquote, answer. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it's something that, is just another avenue for you to approach, you know, find Absolutely. a way, even if you don't run it, find a way to make that bomb squig work or something, right? Like think about it at least. One caveat at the bottom of my, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a model is just bad is the yes. last caveat I had. And, yes. and bomb squid was my example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, Poor that's, that's a fair point. You know, some things just <laughs> Are, you know, we talked about the Reaver Sergeant, yeah. but even now I'm hearing people are, are finding ways to make him work and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Right? You, were, you yeah. were telling me something put a pin, about that. Put a pin in that. I have, okay. I have thoughts on that. Um, so, honestly, moving on to pros, yeah. um, the, there's one that I already said. Um, you don't stagnate the meta if you're always looking for weird. That's one pro that I already said. So I already talked enough about that. We'll move on. The only other pro I have is that if you're at a tournament or competitive game against an experienced opponent, they're going to know the meta. Mm-hmm. They're going to see your models. They're going to know what those models should be doing. Mm-hmm. And by bringing weird, they might be able to understand what you're trying to do, but they haven't drilled or prepared for that. Absolutely. So by bringing the weird, by doing weird stuff, by innovating, um, you can throw an experienced opponent, not off their game, but you throw them a bit of a curveball that they're going to have to adapt their game to, which they may or may not be agile enough to do. Mm-hmm. Or, But it's definitely not them working on their prescribed, this is how I'm going to win if you force them out of that comfort zone. 
Yeah, I mean, if the, the opponent is likely experiencing this for the first time, as mm -hmm. dice are rolling, live mm -hmm. on stream, whatever it happens to be, <laughs> you know, and there's no mental frame of reference to draw from. So there was this thing I saw a while, it was like 2020, something like that years ago, but it was talking about the psychology of like car accidents and mm -hmm. how like they, they tested people's reactions to novel experiences and things that they've experienced a bunch of times. So like, you know, somebody crossing the street, not as insane as like a beach ball coming at you. The reaction time was way less. And you got to think they're on a clock. They've already got the, or, I mean, way more is what I should say. It was yeah, harder. Yeah, for yeah people, no, I understand what you meant. Yeah. yeah. It was harder for people to overcome something that they had not experienced before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, that's what's going on while dice are rolling, while the, the light, the hot lights are on you, while you're on stream, while the pressure's on, this is top eight, you, you know? So that is, it, it's almost like a dirty trick that is not bad sportsmanship <laughs> in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, and another pro that I would say is that you're likely not being countered. Like if it's a list and people are expecting, oh, this is what's, you know, I have to beat. And especially if you're the guy to beat, like if you won last mm -hmm. tournament or something and you're doing mm -hmm. TTS or something, and now it's like, okay, here's this thing. We're going into like the Zenith Invitational and you have to get, you have to win this to, to do this and you're the big bad. All of a sudden you're not running what you were mm -hmm. and everybody had built to you, right? <laughs> and, and you're just like water off a duck's back. It's like, nope, nope, totally fine. The third, I would say, is kind of like all of this summing together is the exceptional utility that this has at tournaments. Because solid easily gets you top eight, but jank can often win that final game or vice versa. A lot of times you can get to top eight by jank and then somebody's picked up on what you do. Because I've had this happen where like, you have two <laughs> buddies playing at a tournament, right? Yeah. You hear them, oh, he's going to do this and that, and, blah, 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 and then you don't do that, and they're just like, fuck. I, I don't know, you know. I've I've heard stuff like that going on, and then flipped, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and so in TTS days, especially, you had guys hawking your games and building to beat you. <laughs> they would literally they sit remember in the chat. That. Yes, they yeah, would sit and they do this that. and that, and they'd yeah. just form this perfect counter because we'd have a week between games. Sometimes, yeah, they'd know who they were facing, they'd know the map, they'd know the mission, they'd know you were the guy doing it. They'd be able to watch your previous game. Maybe even go back and look at the score sheets that were posted for two weeks ago on, yeah. you know, what secondaries you took. Oh, it's also he played against Blackstone Guard. Well, he took this exact secondary and this exact secondary. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And so they would. Yeah. But suffice it to say, it's just like if you if you do the same thing, then it's easy for people to know what you're going to do mm -hmm. and easy to build against. That's what you're getting at, right? This can save your yeah. life. Right. And yeah. when things get yeah. weird, when things get heated, when things get competitive, you, you know what I mean? When mm -hmm. things get stale, when when things get predictable, when you got to mm -hmm. break out of the box and find a solution to this thing that you just cannot beat. Right. Yep. Like, oh, yep. my God, there's just no winning against this list. You mm -hmm. got to go too weird yeah. at that point. Yeah. You know, and and the only con that I would say I didn't actually have cons listed down, but I'm thinking about it now as you're saying it. Um, the only con is that in this edition, I don't think there's too much room for sweeping weird changes, mm -hmm. like whole entire builds or whole entire concepts. It's mm -hmm. more about smaller stackable changes that you can make about your existing team, whether it's a slight mm -hmm. change in your comp 
or how that team is actually executed. This game is a lot more about the tactics and the turn-by-turn on the table yes. than last edition was. Last edition was all about the list, so it's important to take take that perspective when you look at this. And when we bring examples from previous editions where we talk about bringing this list and this counter to that list, mm-hmm. that's that's more about that's where the innovation was because the actual gameplay was a little bit more designed to the actual list that you're bringing here. The list might not vary as much, much, but remember what we talked about just mm-hmm. uh, just a moment ago, where you actually find that weird in this edition. Yes. It's in how you use the tech ploys, how you look past just what the data sheets say on the surface, mm-hmm. and um, and then just maybe looking for different fire teams or slightly different yeah. list configurations to incorporate in. And you can um, still have a posture difference, right? Like if, if you're a yeah, exactly. If you're a, uh, you know, known as a KG player, and then all of a sudden you get, you know, like we saw Chris Bocci, um, mm-hmm. he recently, after quite a while of vet guard, doing really well with mm-hmm. vet guard, just super aggressive, apparently he went to super KG novitiates. Mm-hmm. And I think that he destroyed people with that, you know, and, and these are people that he had played against mm-hmm. multiple times, as far as I know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. probably thought that they, you know, after like, okay, this is our third tournament going against this guy, I hopefully have his number now, right? Yeah. And uh, nope. So that's mm-hmm. that's another avenue available to you as well as to be your, a change within yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Once you, especially once you start getting known in the community yes. and stuff. Absolutely, or in your local scene, L- local, local meta, scene. right? Yeah, absolutely. You, you might be so, the Tau uh, guy everybody wants to beat, right? <laughs> well, everyone wants to beat the Tau guy. Yes. <laughs> uh, I got a few examples. Uh, sure. I say I say that's the best way to kind of drive home what we mean about this this edition with with some examples. And I'm going to switch my order a little bit um, okay. based on the example that you brought up before. Um, I was first going to talk about a couple of uh, Commandos examples, but I'll get to those after this one. Um, my my first one is going with a non-standard Phobos lineup. Um, apparently, the way that I saw the Phobos and how they meshed with, you know, my play style and how the tournaments I play and the partners that I tend to play against. Actually, as I lined up what I saw was the best, ended up not being what most people uh, determined to be an effective way to play Phobos, right? Now, one way to kind of take that perspective is to say, oh, I was wrong about Reaver Sergeant. And I will admit, honestly, I discounted Reaver Sergeant a little bit more than I might have. Uh, I, I should have, maybe, um, based on number one, people's success, or number two, some ways that people are playing it that I didn't really see myself playing it in that way, right? So it's, that's fair, right? But the other way to look at it is say, okay, well, why was I drawn to these models to begin with? I wasn't wrong to say that these models had these roles. Uh-huh. I'm going to stick with my non-meta or non-defined by the majority of players the way to play phobos i'm going to stick with what i'm doing and push this as far as i can and see what else i'm able to discover about the team and these models that might not be seeing as much time on the field so that's that's one example for teams that are especially elite teams where we have a myriad of choices and we have to distill it down to six so you're going to see that with legionary as well um these um sticking with something that's not the prescribed hey this is the way to play it might let you discover some new stuff. So not taking a Reaver Sergeant, even though most people will say the Reaver Sergeant's the way to go. That's one way. Um, not taking a veteran so I could squeeze a different specialist in there, even though the veteran is one of the more, um, one of your effective shooters, sure. Um, 
But then if you take the veteran, you can't take another mine guy to have two mine right. guys, or you can't take a medic in addition to your comms and your and your saboteurs, all that kind of stuff. So so you 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 lose something to gain something, but maybe what you're losing, you're, maybe you're gaining more than you lost, especially if people are used to dealing with a reaver sergeant, but all of a sudden you have two mine, mine layers on the field. Mm-hmm. Or all of a sudden you have a helix adept that people aren't used to the healing that you're dealing with or the reviving, and now they're having to play around that kind of thing. So that's that's one way to kind of do kind of what you're saying, like with Blackstone Guard and stuff like that, bringing a different list. These elite teams with a lot of different specialists can mm-hmm. definitely flex into that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, some some better than others, but you know what? Mm-hmm. That's almost like we've, we, I've called it a downfall in previous episodes, you know, because like somebody new comes to the game. There's so mm-hmm. many data sheets for this one faction and mm-hmm. they go and they buy, you know, a $30 box. And it's like, oh, crap, oh, it's only one model from this that I'd be using. And then it's like, it's not even that good. Mm-hmm. still keep on that guy you, you know mm-hmm. I, I, when mm-hmm. we're talking about this we're talking about like trying to teach you to kill day one at, at our at our martial arts school we teach you the five finger death punch on, on the first day um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't you know kata or whatever they'd call it you still got to go and spar and, and, and it's worth figuring out mm-hmm. where some of these things can fit like Emmanuel said sometimes things are just bad but mm-hmm. <laughs> know that for yourself don't take that from a from a YouTube post or a, you know, Reddit conversation or something like that. Yeah. I, I tried to make the bomb squig work. I played so many games with a bomb squig before. I'm like, nah, I can't figure this out. Forget it. He yeah. just blows up and he never does as much as he should. And then he's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's such a cool model. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, try, try to make it work. So I would yep. say, uh, you know, I, I've got some examples too. Um, did you want yeah, to finish go going one. through yours or do you want to? No, let's, let's go back and okay. forth. Go for one. So I would say, so a shield drone, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at this one. Shield drone. He's meant to to protect a dude, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what people think of. I shoot at this guy. Shield drone eats that shots or those yeah. shots. Uh, playing that weird would be shield drone to score points and eat shots on an objective instead of protecting that dude. And so this would be an example of in-game posture and behavior or using the model the wrong way. So it's like okay. I got this guy, instead of him protecting the rail rifle, he's going to use that six-inch forward deploy the Tau get. He's going to get on an objective, and he's going to be able to tag that and loot and salvage or something when the you know the drone controller lets him or something to that effect. And what I love about that example is that you took a model that, per, that would typically just stand somewhere inert until you save your protocols, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, everything else on its data sheet wake up. Like, fly becomes massive once mm-hmm. you're using it to get to... An objective instead of just sitting like a, a puppy on a leash behind an important model right yeah so all of a sudden you flex that model into not only its durability but then that fly keyword mm-hmm. it just it just opens up a, a ton for him so that's a really cool thing yeah that's and, a really cool example and so i yeah i try to go through and have kind of what of the principles because we talked about ways that you mm. can to do this and so that would be an example of like I said, in-game posture and behavior being different and using a model, quote-unquote, the wrong way. It is not its intended purpose, but it is doing this thing right now, you know. Okay, okay. Um, I will go to uh, my Dynamite Unbreachable example. Okay. Um, I, I decided that I was not going to play with Dynamite at all 
when the edition first came out because dynamite was the most effective way to get kills with commandos when the edition dropped and i said okay well let me see what happens if i don't get to use dynamite so i think my first 10 15 games i made a rule not going to play with dynamite and then when i allowed myself to play with dynamite i said okay i'm not going to put it on what other people put it on who if i'm not allowed to put it on daka boy and I'm very thankful I didn't get used to using him on Daka Boy because <laughs> I didn't have to relearn anything once I got nerfed. Yeah. Um, if I don't put him on Daka Boy, if I don't put him on my leader, on my knob, who would do a good job holding on to dynamite? It's like, well, okay. Breacher Boy needs a little bit of help, sure. He needs an APL from someone, but I have two sources of extra APL. Okay. Oh, you know what? I can give APL to this guy after he's activated and then he has it at the next round. That's how that rule works. Interesting. Mm. So in getting weird... This is kind of that example I'm talking about, about how you might learn something a little different about the game in that. So um, I I learned that a little bit of rule about the game. I was like, okay, well, how do I lean on this? And the reason why I chose a Breacher Boy is that my initial thought was he has a very large threat band if you position him well. Uh-huh. And he can throw... And that that's really what the dynamite was to me. It was about creating... A threat band of an area where people didn't want to cluster or might not even want to go to and I would start leaning on him heavily not only for the dynamite to actually score um, any kills or incapacitations but actually just to shoo people away from a part of the board so I can actually accomplish some other secondaries or gain some board control there um, then for deploying him where can I for deploy him cleverly all this kind of stuff so all these different aspects of my plan and my gameplay style changed when I put the dynamite on the Breacher Boy. And that led me to learning, like, you know, with Shush, how can I leverage Shush instead of four deployments so that way I could save the CP so that way I could then use Daka Daka um, uh-huh. to make the dynamite even better at what it's trying to do. And uh-huh. all of these different um, aspects of my game got stronger and more evolved because I did one weird thing. Yeah. So um, it can sometimes compound like that. And that, and I don't always use dynamite on breach anymore. I used to always do it always every single time. And now I've expanded out from that and put it on different models. But um, I forced myself to stick to that for a long time because I was noticing so many different things I was gaining from it other than just having a surprise. I remember distinctly at LVO, uh, I played one, I uh, played someone and he, and he's like, Oh yeah. Uh, dynamite on your knob I was like no my breach is like why i was like well let's find out <laughs> yeah uh i i like you know what you've essentially done with this example in my mind is uh you pointed out a fourth pro that we forgot to mention which is mm-hmm. you're ready for a shift in the rules even if you're not running this if you're thinking in these lines mm. when the faq the errata the nerf whatever happens you have a pivot like instantly mm. you're not starting from you know, ground zero, dead in the water, mm-hmm. you know, which a lot of people are. And so it's like, oh, mm-hmm. crap, there's a tournament in a week. You've already got kind of something brewing mm-hmm. for this. Interesting. This yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. That was just all blind luck. If they never changed the Daka Boy, then I was just behind the eight ball. <laughs> so another example that I had is uh, so you have Hormagants. This is back, you know, when the edition first started coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My Tyranids were really struggling against Dark Eldar. You know, they would mm-hmm. come out with their stupid, dumb grenade spam and all their, <laughs> their free dash shenanigans. And so you have this Hormigant 
that's GA2, yeah. right? And so this is supposed to be a melee model, but I could put the Acid Maw on him, which is like a flamer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I had GA2 flamers, <laughs> and it was a very beautiful thing. And so that would be an example of kind of list configuration and using a model in a different roundabout way. Here's a melee model who is now a shooter. Interesting. You know? Yeah, I like that. And I it's like something that. that really kind of, you know, for a week or two there was catching these these uh, Dark Eldar players off, off guard because, you know, in the early days, there was a moment where this was a very popular team in the compendium days, mm -hmm. you know, for tournaments mm -hmm. and stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was very, very cool to, to see that go on. But so that's, a, you know, like we said, an example of what you can do is a model with an intended function that people expect does X, Y, or Z. And you're like, no, no, this, this does the letter W. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and even and you've said this before and even if you tell someone okay these hormigons have acid maws they have ranged yeah. um no matter how many times you warn people sometimes they, a lot of times they forget because um because reasons tournament yeah. your mind is focusing on other things so um the fact that they're not drilled against it gives them a better chance of misremembering what you've done your best to try and warn them about right and it's like he's they, gonna get you he's gonna get you you tell them this in round one in round two, they're all in mid-board and stuff, and, and it's like, okay, I get to go. Here's two guys with GA2. They forgot about the GA2, that it's like two guys with 12-inch threat ranges right now, you know, that, that are going to come out every for every one model you move, here's two. You know, here's you moved another model, here's two uh, who are coming in flaming. So it, it was very effective, very fun, and just an example, you know, of, of this in action. Alrighty. So um, I have one more example. Um, it's not something I use very often. It's not something that I'll use if I ever pull interloper in a random draw for, but, uh, it's using my commando grot as mobile cover. I've done this twice. Okay. I've done this okay. twice. Okay. But the neat thing about the commando grot is that he is, um, he's able to get to most places fairly mm -hmm. easily with a dash. He can get a better angle if he can't see where he needs to go, and he just needs to land within an inch of the point of a terrain feature that he sees. Now, twice now, um, I've played against Alex with the Plasma, and he's drawn a beat on someone who I need to live. They have a very important job, whether it's Slasher Boy, Commando Knob, I don't remember who it was. It was a melee model trying to get forward, and I didn't close off an angle well enough, right? Now, the tricky thing with the Commando Grot is that you need to make sure that as the rules are now, um, he's visible. You can't chain out those yeah. those models who are not targets, right? But um, if you forget or you get caught off guard and you notice later on that, oh my goodness, he could give himself, he like say he makes some moves and gives the plasma an extra APL, which is what happened in this situation. It's like, oh no, he can move dash. With those three inches, he can get far enough around this side of the barricade that he can actually get rid of that cover, right? Mm -hmm. So what I do in this situation is I can I eat the commando grot to be within line of sight if the plasma moves to that spot. So now, if he wants to move all the way out there, his only option would be to shoot the commando grot because the commando grot, now being within line of sight, would give cover to the more important model, say the knob, for okay. example. Uh, so I've used that twice. It's not very often. Um, it's very niche. But you wouldn't think of a model being sacrificial in that way 
and not only in that way, but also, um, I guess in that way, I don't know what the other part of that was. <laughs> yeah. You might find that you're using that more as into the dark becomes a thing. Potentially. Yeah. Because yeah. like if it comes out that there's less vantages or something, you know, mm -hmm. and where it's like, you need to like run up a thing. You can have a guy concealed behind the grot. Or if you're worried, oh no, he moved that crude bird too close. I can't use light terrain as cover, mm. but I can use my grot as cover because he's not <laughs> light terrain. <laughs> oh, that's beardy. That's dirty. Okay. I love it. Oh, my cheesy black heart. Mm. Oh. <laughs> it grew three sizes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It enlarged three sizes. Yes. That, it's say, all that uh, cheese. It's all you that cheese. Just get that checked out. Clogged arteries. <laughs> all right. I got one more to share. Uh, and this would be an example of ploy used wrong, which uh, Tyranids have a melee delivery system. It's the beginning oh, of the round. this is what you're alluding to. Yes. Yes. So at the beginning of the round, you can move, right? Mm -hmm. you, can, mm -hmm. you can move, you know, six inches. It depends on what you got on your guys. You could have, you know, some adrenal glands move faster. But uh, you move six inches or so, and then you would get an eight-inch charge. Seven-inch mm -hmm. adrenal glands, eight-inch charge. Um, mm -hmm. This saved my behind at a tournament and led to a tie uh, where very early days of the game, um, here comes a, you know, the, the Harlequin, not the Harlequin, the, the witch leader thing, Hecatrix or whatever it is uh, from mm -hmm. the Drukari. Hate those guys. Mm -hmm. um, but she's got all kinds of like, I ignore movement shenanigan problems. You know sure. what I mean? She's almost like a, sure, a sure, sure. Harlequin. And so it was set up where we both had killed a leader uh, uh -huh. as a secondary and it came to you know it's round four something like that and we roll initiative and it's like if i go first i'm going to kill his leader if he goes first he's going to kill my leader basically we're we're, we're maneuvered around to where this is going to happen he wins initiative so it's looking like i'm in trouble well here's this move before the game which or mm -hmm. before the round starts which people think is melee delivery system i'm on top of advantage bop, just peek down to the other side and you just heard an exhale because we, we were through the, the headphones. This is on TTS. You just heard. <sighs> and there was just this pause. And he goes, well, that was a very good move. And, mm. you know, so this is an example of ploy used wrong. This thing normally gets me into melee. All it is, what is it? What is it agnostic? It's movement. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's movement before the round starts. And so look at your ploys. In the words for what they actually allow. And with that, I think we close it out. This has been Bearded 40K. Find me online at YouTube. I'm uh, in there. In there. YouTube's Bearded 40K. Yeah. And uh, I've been Emmanuel. You can find me at them there YouTubes as well with my buddy Alex uh, at Strategic Advantage. And you can find me with my orcs on my Instagram at eman.paints. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Kill Zone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.